All right, back in here, Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game, 7 o'clock hour here on a Monday, busy hour coming up. We'll get to the Nashville Predators in a little bit. Also, they start up a four-game road trip tonight in Detroit. The puck drop at 6.30 here on 102.5, the game, and also be listening this hour for your chance to qualify for the Winter Classic Flyaway, where you will go to the Cotton Bowl to see the Preds take on the Dallas Stars, but right now... We welcome in our buddy Corey Curtis from News 2 to talk all things Tennessee Titans. Corey, I said an hour ago I'd love to come in here fired up and angry today, but I thought for about a week in a row, for six days, I said Titans are probably going to lose by 7 to 10 points, and that's exactly what transpired. What's your biggest takeaway? I saw the game, uh, I saw the exact game I expected to see. I think that, you know, I, I, I think on TN Nation, all four of us picked the Titans to lose this game. Um, I expected them to go there and to struggle offensively and to to look inconsistent and look disjointed and just look like they don't have it all together, and that's exactly what they looked like, except some of the problems bled over to the defensive side of the ball this time. I I mean, one of the biggest takeaways for me, Corey, is just trying to understand – what exactly are the game plans going into each of these games? Like, like, like that's that's now zero points in a four. That's four games now. They've scored no points in the first half out of nine with Arthur Smith. Regardless of the quarterback, the offensive line's an issue. I, I get all of that, but but I mean, isn't there some questions about pre- preparation that need to be answered this week? Well, look, last week they played the thirty-second ranked pass defense in the league. And in the first half, they had one completion on six targets to their wide receivers for one yard. This week, you're playing a defense giving up 135 yards rushing a game, and Derrick Henry has two touches in the first half. Uh, I understand that there's other things that you want to work on, but I also understand that you've got to attack areas of, of another team that's a deficiency, don't you? I mean, you're letting them off the hook otherwise. And, you know, they just seemed really happy to, to let those last two teams off the hook with, with where they're struggling. I mean, I, I get wanting to get Deion Lewis going and thinking he can help you. And he was making some, some productive plays. He was. But, uh, I mean, Derrick Henry's arguably been your best, most consistent offensive player this year to, to completely take him out of the game for 30 minutes just just doesn't make a lot of sense. I go back to that Colts game when they were in control of the game headed into the fourth quarter. Henry was pounding away, and they took him out and put in Deion Lewis. And I think they ran him twice. He got nothing, and they punted and, and lost control of the football game. Um, you know, Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're doing some things that, that don't make a lot of sense. But the biggest reason I think they don't make a lot of sense is because they're not able to do anything consistently. It's not just from from game to game. It's from quarter to quarter and, and drive to drive. Corey, we we said earlier that, um, you know, this has just been a recipe for disaster with the Titans um, in regards to Arthur Smith. You got a you, – you have – you know, there's not no one has solidified themselves as, as as the quarterback coming in. You had a quarterback that was on the last year of his deal. There was no, you know, re-signing in the near future. You had an offensive line that was poor. 
Um, you know, the receiving core is new. Um, and it just felt like, you know, this is a recipe for, for disaster. And it seems like that's what's happening, that all of these things are coming together. Now, maybe if they had a, a more seasoned offensive coordinator, it, w- it would be a little bit different. But it hasn't been. And now you're starting to see it bleed over into the defense. For so long, the first eight games of the season, the defense, or seven games of the season, the defense held it down. And now you're starting to see that these guys are getting tired, they're getting beat up, and no longer can they, you know, be that that plug for you anymore. That plug is starting to shrink. And the last two weeks has shown a defense that that seems very tired, and they're losing guys in the process. Yeah. I mean, it can only hold it so long. I mean, I think I think we've all expected it at some point. I know I know a lot of people like to point to well, they're they're frustrated because they they can't do it all all game every game. You know, you know the bottom line is like you said, they're on the field too much. They you know they can't have mistakes because the moment they have a mistake that they're that they're toast. But you know, with with Arthur Smith and whoever the offensive coordinator is. It is very difficult to call plays if you do not have consistent play on the offensive line. And they do not have consistent play on the offensive line. Tannehill got sacked four more times yesterday. You know, there were you know, more penalties. Uh, Taylor Lawn had back-to-back. And the bigger question is, how come this offensive line, which they invested so heavily in, is so much more unreliable than it was two and three years ago? That, that's what they've got to figure out. Is it the players? Is it the scheme? Is it the coaching? Um, because they've got to be able to answer that question before they can fix what's wrong with them. Corey, we were discussing yesterday on the pregame show with Floyd and Chris Sanders, Deion Lewis, and we saw Deion Lewis with a mistake yesterday. And I said something to the effect of Floyd to Floyd that I, I can't see John Robinson bringing a backup running back back next year in 2020 at $5 million per year. Is there any chance Deion Lewis is just flat out gone at the end of this year? Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember what his um, what his dead money number is next year. But most of the deals they signed before this year are escapable after about two seasons. And um, I'm, I'm assuming Deion Lewis is, is going to be one of those as well. It would be very difficult. You know, when you look at what his contribution has been this year, it would be virtually impossible to bring him back next year. Because with all of his surgeries and with his age, he's not going to get better either. You know, the, and also Derrick Henry may not be back after this year. You know, you would like to think so. But, but he may not be. Either way, they're going to have to be in the market of drafting a running back, and they're not going to be able to do it in the first round because they're going to have to draft a quarterback. So they're going to have to replace you know, some very important pieces on the offensive side of the ball. The question is just how many. But you know, they definitely need you know, that third down, third down guy. But if, even if it's not the third down guy, just the guy who can do it all. You, know, you watch a lot of running backs in this league you know, who just make – very athletic plays catching the football um, and in the field. And that's not to say that Derek is, is not an athlete, but, but he's not that McCaffrey, Kamara, Austin Eckler type um, that, that can do it all uh, on every down. Now, he can do a lot of things really well that can help you, but, but he's not that guy. And, and they need to find that guy somewhere. 
It, Corey, normally I'm the cynic and sort of like the negative guy, uh, but I, I feel like I'd much rather be playing in meaningful football games, vying for a playoff spot, even if I, even if it's just a slim chance to make the playoffs, than sort of tanking for a better draft pick because you only get 16 games in a 365-day calendar year. And I, I don't know where you fall on this. I just don't see the value of picking ninth versus picking 15th, you know, if there's a chance we can make the playoffs. I, where do you fall on that that scale of sort of evaluating the needs for the Titans moving forward versus maybe you know a slim percentage chance that you could actually enjoy a, a, a you know some meaningful football games late in December? Well, look at, at two and four. I said I think their season's over. I looked at the schedule and I just said they can't go eight and two. I mean, when you look at the teams they're going to play and that how inconsistent they are, that 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 they're not going to make the playoffs and. You know, some people thought I was crazy, you know, putting things way too early. And I wasn't saying they couldn't do it, but there was nothing they've shown me that they were capable of doing it on a consistent basis. Now, having said that, I am never one for losing. I am never one for not trying to win. Uh, You know, even if you've got the first pick of the draft locked up going into week 16, I am for going out and playing week 16 to win the game. I just think there's a way to do things and a way not to do things. And trying to lose is not one of those things, in my opinion. I think it sets a bad tone for your franchise and for your fans and for everything. And so I know there's a lot of fans who would just rather see them win or lose as much as possible the rest of the way to get the best draft pick. Look, the Patriots haven't picked first in a long time. Um, and they keep finding good players, all right? It, it, you just got to go find good players, but you play to win the game. And, yeah, you're absolutely right, and I told the guys, it's not necessarily where you're picking, it's who do who, who is doing the picking. Um, and, so, and developing. Yeah, exactly. And so you see, you see people like Pittsburgh, New England, teams that yeah. are consistently, you know, in the playoffs. They're always going to pick dead, you know, basically last in the first round. But it's they're developing the players, and the guy that's picking the players are doing a, a fairly good job. Um, looking at the season and the way it's going, um, you know, they go three straight seasons, nine and seven, make a playoff in one of those seasons. If they finish, you know, worse than nine and seven this year, do you believe now the clock is on for? Because these are the questions oh, we're going to have to start. Yeah. Not for Vrabel, but I'm saying for John Robinson. Yeah, no, the, the clock went on as soon as they benched Marcus Mariota. Mm. The clock, as soon as they benched Marcus Mariota, the clock was ticking because they've got to find the next guy. And if the next guy isn't the guy, then they're all gone. That's why I said 2021, um, we're going to find out if this coaching staff and if this, uh, and if this GM and his group are going to continue or not. Because if they don't have the right quarterback at that point and can't get this team to the next level, then they're going to find somebody else who can Corey, always a pleasure. We appreciate the time as always. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, fellas. Hey, we get to see Patrick Mahomes next week. Yeah, the Titans, park, will pro- right? t- Titans will probably win by 21 that day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I heard that the opening <laughs> line was only going to be like three and a half points. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, what does Vegas know that we don't know? Because I would jump all over that. Did you see the Chargers yesterday? It's called the NFL. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, you know what? You're exactly right. And did you see the Bucks go up to Seattle and almost knock off yeah. the Seahawks? Yep. Stupid yep. league. It's, it's a crazy league. <laughs> it really is. Corey, thank you. All right. Later, guys. You got it. Corey Curtis from News 2. You know, I would really love to go to the game next week. 
I just I just don't see the Titans score many points. Uh, well, Chiefs defense sucks. So. Yeah, well, we thought that the Bucks pass defense sucked, and we thought the, the Carolina rush defense sucked. That was the coach's fault, Derek. And look what happened. So we can say, hey, they, hey, they won one of happen. those games you just mentioned. Something can happen again. I, mm. I don't know. They, they, it's just the NFL, man. Like watching the Chargers yesterday, watching that defense against the, the Packers, and I'm just going, like the Packers had like 68 yards going into the fourth quarter. I'm going, what, what the hell team is this? Like that's not the team that played here in Nissan Stadium a couple weeks ago. Very true. Coming up next, one interaction and one assumption. It is morning drive, and be listening for that cue to call. Could be happening any moment. Back after this on ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Man, listen up. I've been telling you this for over a year now, going on two years, about my friends over at Cool Springs MD. Um, listen, more men have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife Daphne, along with that experienced staff, they will give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. Yes, man, we need a better quality of life. As we tend to get, as we get older, you know, things tend to, you know, slow down for us. And I'm not just talking mentally. Cool Springs MD services have already helped many men of the Brentwood, Nashville, Franklin, and the surrounding areas in Tennessee with improving their immune systems, energy levels, cognitive functions, and more. They are there to connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. And who doesn't want a more enriched life? We all do. And there's no better time to achieve a healthier lifestyle. What are you waiting on, man? Pull out that cell phone. Pull over first. Then pull out your cell phone. Or if you're sitting at your desk and you're listening to us on an app, 949, I mean, uh, 1025 Nashville, Nashville, 1025, 94.9, the game Nashville. That's what it is. Boom. The game Nashville. Then pull out your pencils or your pens and give us, give Cool Springs MD a call to make an appointment. Because here's the number, 615-486-3458, 615-486-3458. Or visit the website at PooSpringsMD.com. Predators game day here on ESPN 102.5 The Game as Nashville starts up a four-game road swing that will begin at 6.30 tonight here on ESPN 102.5 The Game against the Detroit Red Wings. We will get to the Preds from Saturday coming up in just about 15 minutes. Also the cocktail party as well between Florida and Georgia. Do you guys want the interaction or the assumption first? Hmm. The uh, inter- the interaction was via DM. Yeah, the assumption is just something that just popped into my head about 20 minutes ago. Let's go interaction. Okay. So Saturday night, right? Go to bed, 1030 or so, shut off social media, fall asleep, wake up Sunday morning, getting ready to go down to do the, the pregame show, filling in for Jared with Floyd and Chris. Check my Twitter. Check my mentions. Check my DMs. Got a DM. From Spiro Didis, NFL play-by-play man for CBS who Titans fans you should all love because he's the official, well, I should say he's the unofficial television play-by-play man of your Tennessee Titans because, as we know, the Titans are in the AFC, and the AFC is carried by CBS, and Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta usually do Titans games. That's what happens when you're you know, largely irrelevant. You get the uh, third or fourth broadcast team. So I get a DM from Spiro Ditas. He says, Hi, Nick. Do we know each other? Have we ever met, worked together, crossed paths? I think we should have done a dramatic interpretation. You, hey, you, hey you, Nick. <laughs> you, this is Spiro. You seem to tweet about me a lot. <laughs> Care to discuss? I, I will. 
I will say it is interesting that you tweet about this man a lot. So I pulled How up. How many times have you tweeted about him? Yeah. Well, I've got three of them right here <laughs> since October 13th. And why aren't you tagging him in them? I didn't know he was on Twitter. Well, and that, once I once I realized he is, he's got thirty seven hundred followers, and that's why I didn't know he was on Twitter because he's got no followers. Or, but I, I just always I just always think it's appropriate that if you're going to tweet about somebody, you just do a quick search yeah. to see if they're on Twitter. I just think that that's the right thing to do. That well, way, that way, even though you didn't really mean anything negative by it, yeah. th- there there could be misunderstanding there. So right. I always want to tag people in the tweets just to make sure that and, I'm saying it to their face, Stillman. And it's it's not so much, <laughs> it's not so much that I'm ripping Spiroditas because I, I think he's a solid guy. It's more of a shot at the Titans organization that right. look right. when you're basically irrelevant. These are the broadcast teams you get. What game did he call yesterday? He got the Jets and the Dolphins. Yikes! So we were actually elevated. We had Greg Gumble yesterday, <laughs> and I think Trent Green. So we had like the number three team. So I tweeted a couple of things in the last two weeks, three weeks. I said, Andrew Catalan and James Lofton. Nothing says marquee NFL football like Catalan and Lofton calling your game. I guess Spiro Ditas is on vacation this week. <laughs> uh, that was one. Uh, that, I also, that's, a, that's a bit of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I also tweeted, Taylor Zarzer and Matt Stinchcomb call Vols games as often as Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta call Titans games. <laughs> And then the great Teresa Walker this past week tweeted out that Chiefs and Titans on November 10th, which will be this upcoming Sunday, will be on CBS, and we're actually going to get Nance and Romo, which we did for week one against the Browns, because all the hype with Cleveland. And I quote tweeted, uh, quote tweeted Teresa, and I said, well, it's not going to be the same without Spiroditas. <laughs> It was that you. you, you there's a lot am I throwing shade at Spiro? No, it was uh, that you, you, you inserted his name multiple times. Yeah, you're putting a lot of Spiro Dias on your timeline. Um, <laughs> and it, it, the crazy part about it is that I'd sign with Nike. If I was you, you, you didn't tag him, so he had to go looking for it. Yeah, right? that's weird. And you that's know? why I wanted to bring it up. Like, yeah. is he searching his name to see what the haters are saying? Because yeah. we know broadcasters yeah, get hated I, on I, all the time. Either, either bo- I think it's, it's both. Not, it's yeah, not just it's haters, both. too. It's it's everything. It's He's tweeting to see what people are saying good about him and bad about him. But Saturday night at midnight? Yeah, I, I just did a quick Google search for myself just because I yeah. haven't really ever done that. Uh, the fourth picture that comes up is a picture of Nick Kale. <laughs> for For what? I just Google searched my own name just for the first time. I have never done that. I just wanted to see. And what it my like. face comes and up. There's a picture. I, I went to images, and just just you're you're in the top ten of results now, for my name. Now, just full disclosure, <laughs> here is a complimentary tweet that I sent Spiro Dita. So I didn't uh-huh. tag him because I didn't know he was on Twitter. But October the twentieth, I tweeted about him. Uh-huh. I said, not sure how I feel about Ian Eagle doing the Titans game today. Spiro Ditas has grown on me. Ah. I, yeah, I'm giving love I, to Spiro. I, I, I think you guys. Tweet. I think you guys should develop an online relationship. I think we should get him on the show. A hundred percent. Marquise, let's get him on. Now, here's the is it is it taboo because we know Derek watches film of himself from time to time. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got all the tapes in the in the bonus room there, and he just pop in some. Oh, I'm feeling like an 03 day, and he just watches some highlights from 03. Is it inappropriate, illegal, whatever? What to you know, just va- violation for a broadcaster to be searching Twitter to find out. What people are saying about him, positively or negatively? I mean, again, you're going to get a lot of everything, right? You're going to get negative and positive. Is it a violation to do that? Have you ever? Do you do it? Mm, no, I do not. I have not ever done it. No, I kind of want to now, though. <laughs> just I mean, to I, I don't know. Most of the time, people just send me the hate directly, so I don't. Right. I don't need right. to you know, search. Gonna, for it. It, I mean, either or either way is going to make you mad because even if you get, I don't know, say if you get twenty responses or whatever if you mm-hmm. get one that's bad you're gonna feel, you're gonna be upset true you know so true. don't even go look at twitter, twitter isn't real life baby that's right twitter's not real life 
Let me give Feels great, baby. Feels let, great. Let me give you guys an assumption. Tell me if you think I'm off base. Every now this this show specifically, Morning Drive, we are not a caller heavy show. We 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 take calls on certain topics when we're going to go multiple segments on some really good juicy stuff. And there's a couple of callers that have earned their way into right. the show. But Ty- Tyrekus, for example, sure. can always get in. And, and you guys know you're more than welcome to call at any point, 615-737-1025. We'll give out the number, you know, here and there. But we don't sit here and beg for calls. There's three of us doing a show, so it just makes sense that we're 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 very judicious with our selection of calls. But if there's one day where we take a ton of phone calls, it's on a Titans Monday coming off of a game. We've been on the air for an hour and 25 minutes. We have gotten zero Tennessee Titans calls. My assumption there's, there's, is... There's nothing to say. My assumption being, it took one loss from Ryan Tannehill for Tennessee <laughs> Titans fans to check out. And that's not a shot at Titans fans. That's a shot at the organization. Yeah. Because that's how little faith they had. They were just waiting for the first loss with Tannehill to know that it's a wrap. Well, and let's be honest. As we said last week, you, you can't depend on a two-play goal line stand and two drives that start on like the seven-yard line to win football games. It's not a recipe for sustained success. It is great that you got the wins in those moments. Um, but the idea, and again, I'm not picking on Stillman here, but the idea that Ryan Tannehill and the offense played, quote, amazing football last week is just a crock. Like, it's just nonsense. And we saw it again this week, another terrible first half. And so I, I think your your main point, Nick, about how you're not really fired up or whatever, there's no, like, anger or vitriol. You're sort of it, – it's like apathy. You've accepted the fact that they're just what they are. And they lost the way we – maybe not ex- the exact way we expected. I didn't expect – like, we all knew Christian McCaffrey was going to get his. He got his yesterday. Um, there's no question about that. They had a tough time stopping him. You know, Malcolm Butler, with with what, rep- what reports indicate are a broken wrist, it, it, maybe he needs surgery. That we'll find out more information today. That that's a really big piece of news. The idea that the coaching staff was not prepared in any way, shape, or form to run an offense in the first half it, against what we all could see as a terrible rushing defense, uh, again, is 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 a story. But outside of those sort of games within the game, I don't think anything that happened yesterday is all that surprising to anybody. Nobody's waking up this morning going into the office saying, can you believe X, Y, and Z? And that's just that's just where this team is. And listen, I thought this team would be good. I thought this was a good football team that was going to compete in a division that was wide open because they're question marks for the Texans. Question, you know, Andrew Luck had retired and the Jags were the Jags. Were the Jags. What, you know, I, I thought for sure this team was the most stable and had the best defense of the group and could win – Nine, nine or ten games, and, and you know, I think I picked them ten and six to, to win the division. Well, it, it's just not the way it is. The offensive line, the investment with Nate Davis and Roger Saffold hasn't worked. Um, the quarterback situation is what it is. The, the offensive coordinator clearly is showing that he cannot create a game plan to come out of the gate and, and produce. Um, he's shown a decent job adjusting, I guess. I, I don't you know if he deserves credit for that, but um, you know, Mike, Mike Vrabel has made – consistently questionable decisions at the end of games all along the season that was refreshing last yesterday frankly that we didn't we weren't faced with one of those they have the worst field goal kicking situation in the entire NFL uh, you, th- listen that one's on John Robinson for me I, why did you activate Ryan Suckup yesterday he clearly wasn't ready but just keep Cody Parkey for another game right like well that was that was what you texted me yeah. yesterday he shouldn't have been, been yeah, on the field. He, he shouldn't have been on the field. He, he wasn't still, ready. He still should have, you know, been on. I don't, I'm not going to say IR, but 
there was no reason for you, there was no re- reason for you to cut uh, Parky. Let him go another game. Make sure the suckups fully healthy, and then put him back in there. Um, you know, I but I don't know how long he had been practicing. Maybe he had been practicing the last two weeks. I don't know. But you also have the bye week after the Chiefs, exactly. so that would be another week to kind of Absolutely. heal. Absolutely. So just you know, let him do let him get fully healthy and let him come in after the bye or either the Kansas City game. Um, you know, and, and, and look quickly and looking at what the offense did, um, there were some good things. There were some positive. I think Ryan Tannehill played well. Um, that, that interception, I'm not going to say that was on, cause it wasn't on him. You know, the young guy got to catch the football. Um, it was right there in what his hands. What about the other interception? He got to get, and the other interception. Where you he just, just threw it directly to no, the safety? No, you could tell what he, what, if you watch the, if you continue to watch what was going on, he went on the sideline and you could see him and, uh, Humphreys and he was motioning to Humphreys standing right next to him. Come in, he was telling you to come in, and I think Humphreys was agreeing with. Well, him. I think it was. I think it was Raymond. Yeah, he would say Humphrey was. He was telling Humphreys Raymond should have came in, right. and and those are the things that if you if you don't really understand the game, you don't know. Is um, that no? I'm not. It, it's just for anybody. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like we look at interceptions sometimes, and we say, even with Marcus, I'd have said the same thing with Marcus. If he'd have went back on the sideline and been motioning to the guy, well, it was. Do you blame the young guy? That's his second game plan. Do you blame the young guy that he even breaking in? But he's played in the league long enough that he should know. Cover two, you need to bend that thing in, and at least if it's not a completion, it's not an interception either. He just didn't bend it in, and the quarterback is thinking he's supposed to bend it in. That happened two weeks in a row, once last week with Jameis, this week with Ryan Tannehill. But if you look at Ryan's numbers and what he was able to do, he played a good football game. They just didn't win. Coming up next, we will look back to Saturday and look ahead to a four-game road trip. A little Predators talk when we come back. Predators in Detroit tonight to skate with the Red Wings. It's Morning Drive here on ESPN, 1025 The Game. Back out for Roman Yossi. Yossi for Forsberg. In front, they score this time. No denying that. The bumper got in the middle of it, and Victor Arvidsson chipped it home. Power play goal. And that also turns out to be our Hermitage first goal of the game for Nashville. And it comes here in the second period. Checked by Shea. Comes back Yossi. The shot blocked. One second to go, and that's going to do it. The Rangers hang on and beat the Nashville Predators here on this Saturday afternoon by a 2-1 count. We're chasing the game. You know, you fall down. I actually thought that we were probably at our best parts of the game defensively and fell down 2 nothing. And so kind of unfortunate the way that happened. And then from there, you're, you're pressing. Um, you got to give them some credit. They played good defense. Their goaltender played well. You know, we missed some opportunities, missed some shots, hit the post a few times, and just couldn't seem to get it get it to fall tonight so and that's what happens when you're when you're coming from behind but like I said I thought we were fairly tight when we were behind and, and we were pressing offensively it just that's the way the game went today in the game we had to play and then when we did start to press we opened up a little bit more defensively and uh, Juice made some big saves to keep us in there and give us a chance. Pete Weber the call Peter LaViolette the post-game commentary as the Predators lose on Saturday to the New York Rangers they start up a four-game road trip tonight in Detroit. So you take the heartbreaking loss, basically the buzzer beater Thursday night on Halloween. You have a matinee game on Saturday, and you lose. Surprise, surprise. Stop me if you've heard this before. 
Predators not only play down to their competition, but they lose a game on Saturday, which is kind of like a new tradition. I do think the Rangers are better than their record indicates. They're going to be a better team than that as the season goes along. So they've gotten off to a slow start. They'd also only played like two games in like 15 days or something strange like that. They had a weird schedule. Um, I will say this. It's really, really hard to analyze hockey when you've got an 18-month-old sitting on your lap in the stadium. That was I, that was the first time I've done that um, during like a regular season game. It's mm-hmm. really, really hard to analyze. Like it, it's it's hard enough sitting at home, like taking notes and like rewinding and using the the HD cameras and everything. It, but <laughs> my eighteen month old had such a great time at the game on Saturday. It's her first ever Preds game. Uh, my dad was dealing with the three year old ne- sitting next to us, so we we had a great time. The girls had a great time. It, it it's impossible. <laughs> but you guys were even strength. It was two on yeah, two. Yes, we okay. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were even strength. No, no question. About it. There's no chance I'm taking both of them by myself. Yeah. No chance. Uh, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. When the girls get on the power play, yeah, oh, the dad's in trouble. <laughs> uh, they were on the power play all weekend, so I welcomed the extra attacker uh, when my dad showed up and, and gave me some help for a couple of hours on Saturday. Um, but yeah, the girls were on the power play for about 48 hours. Uh, thank you, Disney movies. Um, I do appreciate the help. No, we we had the it, listen. Uh, here's the one thing I did know, though. I was sitting there, and so the only time of the game that my oldest doesn't like, Marin, the oldest, is when they when the Preds score, which is ironic because she likes the Preds. But it's so loud in there; sure. she, she gets really, she can kind of get scared from time to time because it gets so, you know, everybody gets so worked up on a goal. But I knew that goal, the goal was coming, so we were sitting there, and I go, "All right, Marin, when the Preds score, because Joe he put Jofa back together, and for some actual analysis here." They put Jofa back together for a little while, and they were tearing it up, right? They, they just The entire second period in particular, they were playing in the Rangers' end most of the, the period in front of us, and Jofa was just absolutely red hot. And so when they got the power play, I, I, I looked at my three-year-old, and I go, all right, when the Preds score here, it's going to get really loud. Just be careful. Like, just I wanted to warn her. And then, like, not even a minute later, they score on the power play, and the place goes absolutely bonkers, and Arvidsson gets the goal, and, and she's kind of like – she doesn't know if she should be happy or not. <laughs> She's kind of like, you know that look in their face where, like, I really want to go up to this doorbell and ring it and get some candy? Oh, yeah. But, like, I'm not sure. I'm kind of nervous. That's what was her look was, but it was the first time she wasn't scared of a goal. So so we had that going for us. Two, two, uh, you guys can take the hockey analysis. No, two, two really good things, though, <laughs> from Saturday. One, it was the, uh, the first of two hockey fights cancers, uh, nights or yeah. days for the yeah. Preds. Uh, and that was a really cool moment. To, to bring that little girl out there who's dealing with can- I believe it was a girl. If it was a boy, yeah, no, I no, no, apologize. It was, it was a girl. Yeah. Uh, and that was really awesome. But also, the Winter Classic jerseys were unveiled. Dude. I mean, if there's somebody that doesn't like those, 100%. you got bad taste. Dude, the Dix- so the throwbacks to the Dixie Flyers, of course, the old Dixie Flyers. And, and that, that is... That is as awesome a uniform, a sweater as I have seen. Like, like I, I would spend the two seventy four in a heartbeat. I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Excellent job on the logo, on the new uniform, on the sweater for the Winter Classic. That is as that is as awesome a a design as I've seen any. And so let's be honest, some of the Preds jerseys back in the day with like sixteen colors and like the silver and the blue. Like, there's a reason they've simplified it and gone gold because they know it's better. Um, but man, that that. They they hung that giant Roman Yossi you know poster downtown on the building next door on the new mm-hmm. Broadway building or whatever. Uh, it is awesome. So excellent job, kudos to the Preds for that. Let me ask you guys this because everybody on Saturday because I had mm-hmm. I had the college football game on the big TV and then at one o'clock I put the Preds on and everybody was tweeting like for the hour leading up to the game. Love matinee hockey. Love matinee, matinee hockey. We need more Saturday early starts. 
I'm at a point in sports where I would be okay. Like to me, the earlier the better for every sport. Is that, is that an age thing? You think? I don't even know because you know when I was 23, was, uh, yeah, 2005. Me and my wife took a family vacation with with the in-laws to Hawaii, and one of the greatest things was it was the NFL Wild Card Weekend, mm-hmm. and getting up and watching NFL playoff football at eight in the morning is tremendous. That's why it's good to live on the West Coast. Like you, you get up, you make your coffee, you make your eggs, and you're sitting down watching sports. I like early starts in every sport. I, I do too, but it's more of an age thing. Like I loved late games when I was younger. Um, to me, it's more, like the reason I like the Titans. And again, this is totally selfish. The reason I like the Titans games at noon is because that's when my daughters nap, so so I can actually sit down and like take notes. The three o'clock start times, that's like right during dinner, just feeding them dinner and going mm-hmm. to bed, and it's just chaos, right? So like, but that's only a that's a temporary phase of my life. I'll, I'll that will. Oh, please tell me that's a temporary phase of my life. Please tell me that they will go put themselves to bed at some point in their in their lives. They will. Um, so when that happens, then I won't care. It'll be a lot easier. But yeah, give give me, you know, t- ten a.m. college football would be great. I know it starts at eleven, but but ten's pretty good. Um, I don't mind that. NFL could start a little earlier. I wouldn't mind eleven a.m. kickoffs. But I don't really. I like having my mornings to sort of do what I want to do you know we get to you know you go eat breakfast with the with the kids go to the park or whatever like I I like having a buffer there so I don't want it to start at like 8 or 9 a.m. I that's, like that's, the 11 that's a little too I early. like the 11 a.m. starts yeah those are good uh, like college football does the 11 a.m. somewhere around there because um, it's 12 up north um, except if you're in Chicago um, but it's usually noon but the 11 o'clock works well God, i enjoy God's, that you god's know, time zone turning it on and just you know watching it and typically it's a big 10 game um or an acc game that's playing at like 11 o'clock well, here's where i'll contradict myself <laughs> super bowls championship settings playoffs like cause remember i was ripping on the baseball major league baseball having playoffs at three o'clock in the afternoon i think is bad like bama lsu i think should be a night game but regular season games Preds, Rangers, NFL games, the early... Like, I love the London did, idea. Did you notice how much that CBS was pushing LSU Bama oh, yeah. during the NFL games? Yeah. They were, they'd show, that like... Going they showed, like, Eric the Reed. They were, like, Eric Reed, safety, LSU. They're, like, Derrick Henry, running back, Alabama. You know, like, they were showing all the players in, like, the CBS lead-in opening montage or whatever, and then there'd be, like, four ads for the game coming up at 3.30 because they know they need to draw ratings. Again, it's going to be huge. People are going to watch. I, I'll say this. I, I don't like... I will guarantee it will be the highest-rated game... Of the season. Of the season. Yes. For college. For, for college, college. college, yes. Probably Not, in the last two years, I believe. Yeah, I mean, other than playoff games. Yeah, other prob- than playoff. Taking right. away playoff games. Yeah. I, here's what I'll say about the Super Bowl. You were talking about championship games and playoff games starting at a certain time. I don't like the co- the way college football does it. I, I don't like that it's a Monday, Monday night at 8 p.m. Uh, I, I don't like that. Yeah, that's too late. It, but the, just... the Super Bowl is perfect. Mm-hmm. There's a reason the Super Bowl is timed out perfectly, which for us is like, what, 5.18 central mm-hmm. time? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's it's late enough to where you can like spend your day getting things accomplished and, and, and do the things you need to do. It's, it's early enough that when it's done, you're not like scrambling to get to bed and you're up late. It's over at 8 o'clock. Like it's... That five to eight window is my favorite window for sports. If the World Series and 
Stanley Cup final and everything could happen from five to eight, that would be my favorite. Well, it's kind of like the NBA because you have seven games. Well, hopefully it goes into seven games, but it's in during the week. It's like eight thirty starts for all the NBA games. Game one, two, three, or nine thirty for or, Golden State, or, or nine thirty. So it's like they're late games, and I'm just like, come on, man. That's why I like when they go to Sunday because then Sunday it's kind of right. more spread it out. Right. And then if it's the final game, then you can actually watch the final game of the series rather than you know stay up until eleven o'clock. All right, coming up next, the East was likely won. The West will likely be decided in five days. A little college football talk when we come back here on Morning Drive. All right, back in here on Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Congratulations to Kathy Shields. She was the first person with the correct answer on Ryan Ellis. That was the voice that you have heard. So, Kathy Shields, you have qualified. Not one but qualified for a chance to win the Winter Classic Celebration flyaway to Dallas. The winner will receive round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinnerd with special guests, the <laughs> Almond Betts Band, and a sleep at the wheel at the American Airlines Center on Tuesday, December 31st, as well as a pair of tickets to see the Preds take on the Dallas Stars at the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday, January the 1st. Prizes courtesy of Outback Concerts. I mean, I actually had to listen to that during the break like 40 minutes ago just to make sure I knew who the answer was because, tough. to be honest, you don't hear Ryan Ellis a whole heck of a lot. That is a tough, tough challenge. So if you qualify, you earned it, man. You I, do. I like that. That's good stuff right there. Cocktail party, Saturday, Georgia beats Florida. East is basically won, correct? Yeah, East is basically done. Um, listen, I, I thought Florida fought valiantly in the second half and, and Kyle Trask played well in the second half, but let's be very clear. This was won by... Because of two reasons. Georgia's defense statistically is as good as their stats indicate. I, I don't think they've been given enough credit for how good their defense is. Florida could not run the football at all. They could not convert on third down. I think there were two of nine on third down. And let's be very clear, Jake Fromm was brilliant on third downs. So the Georgia Bulldogs were great on third down, and they stopped the ground game of Florida. That defense for Georgia is salty. They stopped to play Auburn, Texas A&M, Georgia Tech, maybe a championship game. It's all sitting there in front of Georgia to make the playoffs. So um, they still have a chance. I think right now, though, the FPI actually gives Auburn a better percentage chance to win the game on the Plains uh, over Georgia. So the question is, where should Georgia be ranked? I moved them up to fifth in my rankings from sixth ahead of Penn State. I think they would beat Penn State right now, but uh, that's not really like a, a debate to be had. It's There are four teams in college football that are above everybody else. And those four are going to be debated heavily tomorrow night when the first rankings come out. Um, And I'm guessing that it's going to be LSU, Ohio State at one and two. So um, I'm guessing Bama at three, Clemson at four. That's what my guess would be for tomorrow. But um, that's that's the exact order I have. Big big news, of course, uh, with with the East being won essentially by Georgia. They still have to knock off. They still have to play Missouri. Still have to play Auburn and A and M. So they got a tough schedule. Um, But it's basically. You know they're in the driver's seat now, and oh by the way, Florida State's looking for a new head football coach. Willie Taggart fired yesterday, seventeen point seven million dollar buyout. That is a good job if you can get it. Um, Please that, give me seventeen million dollars not to do my job. That that Florida game in in Georgia game, I, I think it was it, it lived up to the the hype. Um, you know. I'm Trask is going to be a unique guy to evaluate on the next level. Um, smart player, yeah, really smart player. I think they are 
the best thing for them. You never want to see a guy go down with injury, but I think that was the best thing for, I mean, having trash get quarterback was the best thing for Florida. He would have never been quarterback had, had Felipe Franks got, had he not gotten hurt. So, so my prediction two summers ago that Kyle Trask should be the starting quarterback for Florida, even though I was dead wrong for a mm-hmm. year and a half, has finally come true. Yeah, finally via, via injury. But I think they, <laughs> I think they play much better. He gives them, he gives them a much better opportunity um, at winning. Um, and that offense being two-dimensional instead of just one-dimensional because that kid can make just about every throw, and he looks poised in the pocket. Um, and he can't take off and run when he needs to. But that game, um, to me, because, it, I mean, the announcers talked about it uh, a lot, um, and even during halftime or before the game. You know, Georgia looks – you would have thought they had more than one loss. The way you look, the way people talk about Georgia and, and 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 how you look at Georgia, because they they don't play this exciting brand of football. But then you look at the stats and they're first in defense. Their offense is basically the same as it was last year. Uh, Jake Fromm is having a good season, not great season, but a good season. And well, their number one receiver came back too. Exactly, number Lawrence one receiver Cager yeah. was back and had a huge, huge impact. game last uh, this past well, Saturday. Kirk, Kirby has him playing the brand of football that Saban played the first three years in Tuscaloosa. That, that's what they are. Yeah, but he's gonna eventually. He's going to have to kind of shift um, a little bit. Um, but you mean, you mean like a recruited player like Justin Fields? Exactly. He's going to have oh, to get okay. you know. He's going to have to get a di- some more dynamic players um, and can't keep playing this Bama. Old LSU type football, where run the ball, run the ball, play action pass. But Jake Fromm, I mean, if if there was any doubt about Jake Fromm, they should they should all be put to bed now because That's a good he might he, he might too. not be the best quarterback in the in the country, but he's still you know if if you're talking about draft stock, he's still a first rounder um, to me because the guy showed up big. He did exactly what he was supposed to do against a defense that doesn't give up many points. Now, we've seen the last couple of weeks where where two good quarterbacks back to back has somehow some way, you know, been able to put up points against Florida's defense. And that's hard to do. Um so um Florida has I mean um Georgia has kept themselves in the talk for playoffs. With that win, they kept themselves. Now, if they, they if they don't lose a game from here on out, they put themselves in the SEC championship, and then all bets are off after that. Yeah, it's LSU or Bama, and and if you win, you get in. See here, so. no, but, but here's the interesting part about the SEC, and people are going to be extremely mad. Oh, I love, I know, I love where you're going with. They this. can get three teams in. Yeah, it's not out of the question. It's not out of question. Bama loses to LSU. Close. They yeah, close with Tua or without. With, I don't think it matters. It's, it's a hurt. Tua. I don't think it matters. It's a hundred percent. It's yeah. not a hundred percent Tua. Yeah. Then they beat Auburn. They do what they did a couple of years ago. Sit out the SEC championship. They're eleven game. and one. Eleven and one. Okay. Then you have a nine and well, a ten and one or a ten and one no, no. or eleven and one. Um, See, ele- eleven and one Georgia versus okay, 12, twelve and 0 LSU. And if Georgia beats LSU, yep. now you got three teams with one, with loss. one loss, and they all lost to one another. How does that make you feel, Big Ten guy? The same I just thing. want the best no, no. team in. And let's not go crazy, because the Big Ten could do the same exactly. thing. Exactly. If Penn State, let's say hypothetically, goes on the road and beats Ohio State in a couple of weeks by five by by one by a field goal. Mm-hmm. Same same LSU Bama situation, right? 
if they beat if they win that game and Ohio State finishes the season eleven and one mm-hmm. with their only loss being to an undefeated Penn State team who wins the Big Ten, it's you can make the case for two Big Ten teams to get in. Yeah. So it's not now. I, I don't think Penn State like Georgia. I haven't seen the play on the field yet to say mm-hmm. that either of those two teams are good enough to win. I think we've seen it from Ohio State and LSU and Bama. We haven't necessarily seen it yet. D- the dominance from Georgia or, mm-hmm. or Penn State. But it's those are totally real scenarios. Now the the good news for people that don't want that is that Oregon and 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 Utah both handled their business this weekend. Oregon went on the road and crushed USC, probably getting Clay Helton fired. And Utah went on the road and beat Washington on the like they beat a really good Washington team on the road. So they're both going to end up potentially with one loss playing in the Pac-12 title game, which will be a great top ten matchup. The winner would have a very good case to make the playoff over even an Oklahoma team mm-hmm. that could probably go 12-1 and one and win the Big 12. So we, we, we've got a lot of teams still in it. Oh, by the way, Baylor's still undefeated. Minnesota's still undefeated. Wake Forest only has one loss. Who still has to play Clemson? There's, there's, there's about 10 or 12 teams that are still, quote, in, in the race. But it's right now. There's four that I think are head and shoulders above everybody else. And I, think I, would the, just I don't love, think the committee's going to debate. I that would just tomorrow. love to see three SEC teams getting because everybody would oh, lose their mind. Burn to the ground. Yeah. Oh, everybody would lose their mind. So you got three SEC teams in Clemson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's riveting. But, 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 but Ohio as State long would as have it's the to, three, Ohio State would have to lose. They would have to right. lose a game because here's how it could happen: they beat Penn State, so Penn State's out. Mm-hmm. Penn State beats Minnesota. Minnesota's out. And then they lose to Michigan in the final week of the year. Mm-hmm. Then you lose in the Big Ten title game. Then you have two losses and you're done. Yeah. So it, it, there still has to be a lot of losing, but there is a lot of losing left on the schedule for all these teams. Yeah. So the, 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 it'll whittle itself down quickly. It, 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 it always does. People get concerned, oh, somebody's going to get left out. Like, no, it, it always gets down to but it I at want, the end. I would and, love to see yeah. three SEC teams. With a shot at making what, it. A what if it's two Big Ten teams versus two SEC teams? That'd be good too. And the rest, yeah, of the I'm good country, with that. The rest of the country's like, come yeah. on. Well, I mean, it, but it that is, would that would assume Clemson lost yeah, the game, which right, I, I exactly. can't which, see happening. Well, it is, is kind of possible though, because yeah, if, possible. if LSU beats Alabama without Tua, then they run the table, and then Alabama has one loss, and then Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game, and then you have. Three one-loss SEC teams at that point. Have you been listening to the yeah, show? That's what we just said. I know. I'm just repeating it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but like we no, literally just said. I'm just, just, saying, I'm just repeating that. it. Hold okay. on. Okay. Okay. That do was Derek's entire think, rant this time. Yeah, no. Do you, hold on. Do you think Wake Forest has a shot at beating Clemson? No. 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 But they are a one-loss Power Five team. So I just include anybody that's uh-huh. got one loss in the Power Five is sort of quote eligible, right? Okay. So I sort of put like again, it's they're, no, they're not going to beat Clemson. And, and oh, by the way. Oh, by the way, this this Clemson hatred, like everyone's like, oh, Clemson's not that good. Clemson's not that. They're winning by thirty eight points a game. Trevor Lawrence is putting up they're ridiculous just, they're numbers. Bored. They, they are. They cr- know that conference stinks, they, and they don't need their A game. They are crushing people. And you know who I don't want to play in the playoff? Nick Clemson. Saban or Clemson. I don't want to play Alabama or Clemson in the playoff. So, okay, LSU and your cute defense. Come on, Ooh. come on. This is that Orgeron agents over here. You know, just saying, you know. I, listen, Ohio okay. State and LSU are totally deserving of being in the top four. No question about it. But everyone everyone just is like, they look at Alabama and Clemson like they're just jokes right now. And I'm going, do you guys really want to do that? Because like, what's the opposite of this? this is rat, it's, it's not rat poison. This is motivation mm-hmm. for Alabama and Clemson. And I, I just would be concerned about that if I was a fan of another team. Put the wagers in yesterday, boys. LSU plus eight over 64. I'm already locked in, ready to go. Don't ever question my objectivity. I do like the over on uh, 
on that one. What is it? Would you say 64? 64. Yeah, I'll take the over 100%. That's a, that's a, this has 38-33 written all over it. D-Mace, I think LSU mm-hmm. can win the game. I think they're going to win, too. I mean, I, but I, this is nothing new. I told you right, they were going to win. Gonna, what yeah. percentage is Tua? Uh, that's what I want to know. 80, 85%. 75 to 80%. I still don't see LSU stopping Alabama. So I'm, I'm not saying that Joe Burrow is not going to light up Bama's defense. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have a really good game, I think, uh, that running back for LSU. I, I just don't know how LSU is going to stop Alabama in that passing Nick, attack. Nick, sit to her. <laughs> sit to her. That's your best best option. Return of the Mac. Stick to sports coming up at 845. Our 8 o'clock hour will include us getting back to the Titans from yesterday and also giving up a little love to Nashville SC. We're back after this on Morning Drive.